Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 24. If you didn't bring your Bible and you don't have the electronic version, there are Bibles in the pews in front of you. Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. Now, I know that this is a post-resurrection story, and we have moved into the Christmas season. But as I'm preaching on Scripture today, I think this particular story has value as we're talking about how Jesus came to fulfill the Scriptures that were prophesied about him. So I'm in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 25 through 27. If you're physically able, out of reverence for God's Word, I would ask that you be standing as I read these verses from the NIV. Luke 24, verses 25 through 27. He said to them, this is Jesus talking. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what, he, what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You may be seated. All the scriptures concerning himself. He explained to them what was said about him concerning all the scriptures that pertained to himself. Well, we're going to take a big step backward this morning in the sermon and ask you, what are you expecting from this time? The sermon time. Are you expecting me to tell a good joke that you can repeat at lunch? Are you expecting me to get this over with so that we can get to lunch? Are you expecting some sort of new profound insight that you've never thought of before? Well, what are your expectations going into it? Because I, I have found that people's expectations uh, set the tone. We went Christmas shopping on Black Friday to the outlet malls in Roswell. I knew we were in trouble when people were parking a mile away. My expectations went downhill right then and there. It's good to know what the expectations are going into it. And I think sometimes I have created wrong expectations in the sermon time as if this is Andrew's time to talk or this is my time to perform or this is my time to wax eloquent or be brilliant. I want the sermon time, if I haven't said this already, I want to reinforce it again today, to be about God's Word. Explaining God's Word, elaborating on God's Word, teaching God's Word, our rule of faith is not Andrew or whoever's preaching. Our rule of faith is God's Word. That's the most essential element of the message. It drives me crazy when I go and I listen to a sermon and you might as well not even bring your Bible along. Now, I'm not talking about constantly changing pages to look at this verse and this verse. Anybody can do that with concordance. I'm talking about God's Word, letting that preside over the message. And that's what I'm going to try to do today, because the message is about God's Word. So when I tell you that I want to talk about God's Word today, how do you receive that? Are you excited? 
or you've been there, done that, or you can look it up. Because I, I get different feedback from different people. Gail and I celebrate our 26th anniversary this week. We went to Hallmark and we bought ourselves each other, not ourselves, we bought each other cards. We've been married 26 years. I'm not saying that we're old fogies and we don't care or anything, but when I get this card, I'm looking forward to getting the card on, on, on our anniversary. I know that, Rex. Whatever the day of the week, it's Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it is, I'm not expecting in that card any new information. I'm not. I mean, if it's new information, that's going to be bad. Okay? It's going to be stuff that I already know and appreciate. It's just going to implement. I'm, gonna, I'm loving it. I'm really going to appreciate I know I'm going to appreciate it because we love each other, and this card is just going to convey even deeper the love that's already there. No new information. I'm expecting nothing new from that standpoint. Now, if we were just dating, right, and, and it was a homemade card with the two little boxes, do you like me, check yes or no, or maybe, then if I received that card, that would be all about the new information, right? And so when I'm talking about God's word, I know that God's word is going to be received by many of you in all kinds of different ways. Some of you are coming, you have no familiarity with God's word at all, and everything I'm telling you is completely new information. It's the first time. Maybe you're soaking it up. Some of you, that you know God's word so well that hopefully it'll challenge you, but maybe not. Maybe it's just going to reinforce what you already feel and you already know. But no matter what it is, God's word has to preside during this time and all through Christmas and really all through how we do church together, the sermon time is a God word time. And there should be some expectation that you have of me as the preacher that this is about God's word, that it reigns supreme. So, let me just start by saying the goal of this sermon and this season is to get you back into the Bible for Christmas. Because there's a lot of stuff, a lot of peripheral stuff, beautiful stuff, and it's easy to enjoy it and just soak it in, but I really want to get you back into the Bible. So here's my challenge for you. I want you to get into the Bible during Christmas season, starting today. Here's one way that I have really enjoyed getting into the Bible this season. Listen to the audio Bible. Okay, I use an app called Bible Gateway. And you can choose the audio version. You have, in English, you have three different choices. You have George Sarich. You've got the dramatized version. You have somebody else. The dramatized version is like, and he said to them, oh, no. You know, it's really awful stuff. I mean, unless you, but I love George Sarris. And so what I do is I Bluetooth it through my car. Rex, I'm not sure if you know what I'm talking about, but we can talk about this later. I Bluetooth it, and I'll choose a passage like a psalm, or, or, and then I'll play that, and I'll listen to it in my car. And it is so wonderful to hear Scripture read, professionally read, and you hear an emphasis, and it, and it rolls in your mind, and you think about things that you not thought of before. And it's, it's different than opening a book and reading for me. And maybe if you've not tried an audio Bible, try that this season. 
Start with a psalm. Start with Psalm 1 and just start listening. And then when your, your brain fills with mush or whatever, you know, you could stop it or that kind of thing. Because God's word is just so crucial. So I want you to look up a passage of scripture today, and that is from 2 Timothy 3.16. We're talking about God's word here and the importance of God's word. And I have three points about God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 goes like this. All scripture is God-breathed or maybe another word is inspired. All scripture is inspired and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God's word, the Bible that we have, is God-breathed, it's inspired. And so we have in the Bible this wonderful thing that brings us into a conversation with God. God breathed. It's unlike any other book. Any other book, you could go on Google, you could Wikipedia something, you can, you can read, you, you can outline it, you can be able to regurgitate what's being said, but the Bible's not that way. The Bible brings us into a relationship with God. My son Jonathan, I might have to delete this video from Facebook later on, um, actually wrote a paper and got a good grade on a book he never even read in college. Unbelievable. I don't know how he did it. Maybe he knows what the professor wants. Maybe he, he read the cliff notes. I know they don't have that anymore, but I don't know how he did it. But the Bible's not that kind of way. It's not something that you get the information and you can spit it back out. The Bible is a relationship because it is God-breathed. So if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to discern what God's will is for your life, if you want to know what God is doing, if you want to observe what God is doing, then you need to get into God's word because that brings you into a relationship with God. God breathed. That's what scripture does. Now, I know you might be thinking, well, I grew up, I've read enough of the Bible. I know enough of the Bible. I know what I need to know. You don't. And I'm not basing that on how much you know or don't know. Because the story that I read from Luke 26, uh, it's a story talking about um, two guys that are leaving Jerusalem. The road to Emmaus is, is what it's titled. And Jesus appears alongside them and he overhears them talking. I'm just giving you the context from that. And they're, they're talking, and then Jesus interrupts and said, don't, you, don't know, you don't know what you're talking about? Don't you know what you're talking about? He, he calls him a fool, doesn't he? Like in the NIV, he's like, you know, foolish to believe. And then what Jesus does is he explains to them what he had to come and do using the Old Testament. Now, I'm not claiming that I'm smart, but I read so much of this New Testament stuff, and I'm like, come on, people. How did you not know that's the Son of God? I mean, what is your problem? It's because the Bible is spiritually discerned. Listen to what I just said. The Bible's God's word, but it's spiritually discerned. In other words, God reveals things in the Scriptures. There are some people... None of us are going to get everything out of God's word that we can because they're spiritually discerned. And these two disciples on the way to Emmaus who were hoping that Jesus was going to be the son of God, they had the Old Testament, but they didn't understand that Jesus had to teach them because they were spiritually discerned. 
the Bible communicates a lot more than we know. And that's why we have to be in a relationship with him. Turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. But I want you to notice that God's word is alive. So this book is unlike any other book in that a book can be contained, book report, broken down, reviewed, experts could debate things, but God's word is unlike that. It's a living document. It's alive and it's active. What's, what's the opposite of passive? Or I'm sorry, what's the opposite of active? Thank you. I'm glad to, I'm, be easy on me. It's been a it's been a long weekend, a wonderful weekend, but a long one. People think the Bible is passive. It's just a book. It's passive. It sits on my shelf. My Bible doesn't float around. My Bible doesn't glow, doesn't do anything like that. It doesn't eat. My Bible is just incredibly passive. It's just like a book. Like it. Listen, don't, don't fool yourself. The Bible God's word is living and active and inspired. And so therefore we have this great opportunity. We do. We have a great opportunity to get to know God and to get to know his will for our life. We have one lady that's moved here from another state and she says, I am living by faith. I'm trying to discern what God's will is. I'm praying for opportunity. I'm praying to know what God's will is for my life. That's exactly where we should all be, right? We should be in a place where we're seeking God's will for our life. You know where you can find it? The best place you can find it is in the Bible because it's alive and active and inspired. I mean, there's some good stuff in here. It's good material. And it's going to do something to you. It's going to convict you you start to take it seriously. We have a habit in this church of reciting the Lord's Prayer. I get to that part, forgive us of our sins, or like Mark's, Mark likes trespasses or debts or whatever. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And I don't know about you, but I can't hardly say that without thinking about a couple people that I think, I wonder if I've forgiven them. I mean, I certainly want God's forgiveness. And then I think to myself, you know how the mind works faster than anything? I think to myself, well, I think I've forgiven them. But then I think, I don't know if I have. And I, well, no, I have. And if, if I haven't forgiven them, God, then point it out to me. And then you know what happens? Then I run into them during the week. And I'm like, uh, did I, am I... And then I can celebrate, yes, I, I really have. Praise God, I've forgiven them. Or I'm challenged, you know what? I, there's still some work to do. I need to be able to treat people the way God treats me. So that's the wonderful thing about God's word is it's going gonna, it's gonna to change. It's going to emphasize. It's going to de-emphasize. It's going to give you perspective because it's alive and active. So that's number one lesson is that scripture is spiritually discerned. You'll never master it. You'll never get everything out of it. God has got to reveal things to you. Things are going to hit you in a different way at a different time in life. And that's great because that's insp inspiration. That's how God works. 
The Bible is really our rule of faith. That's number two. Scripture is our authority. It's divine authority. You got to know this. Scripture is our sole authority. All kinds of churches and cults claim the Bible as their authority, but it is not their sole authority. They have their authority is based on their leader and how the leader interprets it. So if you say, well, no, that's not in the Bible. Yeah, but our leader says this is how you interpret the passage. And so therefore it is in the Bible. No, it's not. If it's not in the Bible, it's not real. It's not true. So there's a cult called the Latter-day Saints or the Mormons who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, but also that Satan is the Son of God. And Jesus and Satan are brothers. That's not in the Bible. Jesus and Satan are not brothers. That's not in the Bible. Now that is a prophet who has interpreted the scriptures based on a couple other books that they claim to be equivalent to the Bible, and therefore that's how they get to that. But it, here at Fayetteville Christian Church and the Christian Church, we believe that the Bible is the sole authority. Nobody supersedes that. I don't get to supersede the Bible. The Bible wins over myself, over the elders, over anything. It's the sole authority. And therefore, we need to know the Bible well because we need to know right from wrong and we need to discern God's will. Seventh-day Adventists right down the street from us. They have a prophet who's passed away named Ellen White and they believe that she, what she said and, and her prophecies were inspired. In other words, perfect. She didn't make any mistakes because she is their prophet. We don't think anybody is perfect except... Jesus. So therefore, we already know that there's going to be a difference in our beliefs compared to their beliefs because our sole authority is in Scripture and not in a prophet's understanding of Scripture. So, and I'm not maligning other places. They believe that the, to Jesus, well, they were the latter, the Seventh-day Adventists believed that Jesus was going to return at one point in time, and he didn't. Ellen White came along and said, Christ is not going to return now until everybody starts practicing worship on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, which has not happened. So what I'm saying is when you start mixing up authority with somebody's opinion, whether that is a prophet or a pope or anybody, you begin to water down what sole authority is. And the scriptures are our sole authority. Now you have to interpret them in the context. There's tools that are involved, but you don't have to be brilliant to understand what those tools are, right? And it's so important because God's word is inspired. It is accurate. It teaches us right from wrong. It creates a relationship with us between us and God. And so we take the Bible to be very serious. And we believe that the authority of Scripture is final. No tradition, no creed, no man supersedes that of God's Word. And so let's say Mark came along and Mark disagreed with something that I said in the Scriptures. This can happen. So then Mark comes to me and says, Andrew, I, I disagreed with uh, what you said about uh, the opposite of whatever is passive. 
and then we can, we can discuss it. And then if the Bible doesn't really say the opposite of active is passive, and we're just disagreeing, then you know what? We just disagree. Nobody's going to heaven or hell based on the opposite of active. You, you understand the analogy that I'm saying? Because we try to speak where scripture speaks and we're silent where it's silent because we take the Bible that seriously. However, if Mark points out in the scriptures somewhere that I'm clearly in the wrong, then because I submit to the authority of scripture, then therefore I must repent and accept that view of scripture because the Bible always wins. The Bible always wins. I know nowadays we live in confusing times. I understand that. How many genders are there? Is it okay to kill an unborn baby? There's all kinds of confusion out in the world. It's not very confusing in the Bible. Not confusing at all. All life is sacred in the Bible. And so if we can use the Bible as our sole authority, now, then it makes things to be a lot easier. Now, how we present ourselves and how we present God's word, that's maybe a different conversation. But can we at least agree with a primary conversation that God's word is our authority? And that's what we do. Third lesson is that in God's word, scripture, we understand God's plan for our life and this world. Scripture reveals God's plan to us. The Bible says, at just the right time, Christ came. So part of God's plan since the beginning of history is that Christ would be born, that Christ would die, so that we might have forgiveness of sins. This was, this was God's plan. God wasn't up in heaven being like, I just don't know, I don't know, I don't have any plans. This is ridiculous. Adam and Eve, I, can't, I don't even know what we're going to do. That's not the way God, God knows everything, and God laid out the foundation of the earth, and he planned you and I even before the earth was made. This is how amazing God is. And so in Scripture, we understand what God's plan is for life. And that's here's what I want to close with. God's plan is for heaven and paradise and wholeness and goodness. God's plan is that we will inherit heaven. That's God's plan. We're not here trying to figure it all out. We're here trying to understand what God's purpose is for our life here and now, knowing that God's taking care of the end. We live our lives anticipating heaven. That's really important. No matter how bad things get here and now, we live our lives as pilgrims passing through anticipating heaven. You know, you can endure a whole lot when you have great anticipation, can't you? You know that present under the tree that's the size of a car? No. You're like, I've never gotten, I mean, this is our 26th anniversary, I've never gotten a bow on top of a car or anything like that. But if there was a bow on top of a car that didn't belong to us in the driveway, I, 
it would change my perspective on that day. Because when you're anticipating great things, you can, you can weather all kinds of stuff. Now, if under the tree was a round cannon-like ball, like a bowling ball, it's not going to do anything for me. But the whole point of boxes and packages and wrapping paper is because it creates this anticipation. Oh, it's coming. I can't wait to open. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be something you can't even imagine. They thought about this. They purchased it just for you. Oh, that anticipation. You could endure all kinds of stuff. I want to tell you that we live our lives with the anticipation that we're going to heaven. So we can endure all kinds of stuff here and now. Bad stuff, miserable stuff, bad diagnosis, misbehaving kids, car accidents, unfortunate diagnosis at the doctors, aches and pains and frustrations, all kinds of things, because we know that in the end, God's got it taken care of. He has sealed it through his death on the cross. We're going to heaven in just a little while. And that's what God's word tells us. And so we can anticipate it. What are you expecting from this time? I hope that you can grow in your expectation to understand better God's word. Today's lesson is that God's word is supreme. It's just so important. It's how God communicates to us. It is the basis for how we do church. And it is the thing that reminds us of the hope that is secure in heaven. I think if I've been negligent sometimes in thinking that I have things figured out, like I, I've got it all squared away. You know, I know, I know, I, I've got it, I know, I know, I, I got it. You know what we know from Scripture? Is that God's out ahead of us. We're always catching up to God. He's always out ahead of us. The question is, God, what are you doing? How can I be a part of what you're doing? God is out ahead of us. He's not behind us. We're not waiting on him. Okay, God, come on back. Come on, catch up this way. No, he's already out ahead of us. The question is, what is God doing and how can I participate in that? Oh, our God is so good and so loving. He wants what is best for you and I. He's already out there. We just got to catch up to where he's going. And when something bad happens, we say, hey, you know what? That's bad. But there's something better in store. We live by that faith. Christmas, we can get lost in a lot of stuff. But can we just make a commitment today this season to get back into scripture. Listen to the Bible online. It's just something different to experience God's word and have that communication with God so that you'll know his will, you'll be comforted by his way. Let's pray together.